good day and welcome to Holding Fast. Great to have you in the podcast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it gripped firmly by the solid rock of the Word of God? Boy, what a joy it is to come to you today. I've just had a wonderful, rich time in the Word of God myself and reading and studying and searching out its truths. And this just thrilled my heart today. There are times when you often feel the closeness of God in a better way, perhaps, than what you might at another time. I think largely that's attributable to the fact that uh, you you spend some time in the Word of God without an agenda, and you're just uh, asking God to speak to your heart, and, and He always promises that He'll do so. He never fails. Uh, I think the biggest issue is not the power of the Word of God, but it's really in my sensitivity to what it's saying and my attentiveness to the things that it's telling me. So uh, I encourage you to be re- be frequently in the Word of God. Well, we come to another podcast today, continuing our look at the disciples' prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and in particular verse 9. Uh, we have been looking at, the, as the Lord instructed his disciples, that they were to pray after this manner in verse 9, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I want to touch a little bit more on this hallowing of God's name today. The word hallow in that verse 9 in the Greek, in the Greek uh, uh, scriptures, the original scriptures, is literally the word Hagiadzo, that's how it's pronounced uh, in the noun declension. It, that's the first person uh, of, of um, hagios, which is a noun that means holy. Hagiadzo means to be holy. Uh, it literally comes in two basic ideas in the scripture, and you find it in two different ways. first way that you often find it is uh, to make an ordinary thing holy by bringing it into contact with something extraordinary. That is one concept of the Greek word hagiadzo, to hallow. Uh, that's kind of like in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, it's used that way, where our contact with God, that our uh, Uh, communication with him and how he comes into our hearts and sanctifies us and set us apart. He makes that hallowed, that relationship hallowed by our coming into contact with him. But secondly, there is another sense in the Bible in which the word hallowed is used, and that's in uh, in the sense, in the prayer that we're reading today. And it means to treat something or someone as sacred, to hold something or someone as set apart and holy. Uh, In other words, to regard somebody as separated, separate. Um, When we pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we are literally just petitioning that God be regarded and revered as absolutely holy. I think this goes contrary to a lot of the philosophy that's out there in many churches today, and that is the attempt by the modern uh, Christian adherents is oftentimes to try to bring God down to my level, Uh, try to make him and, and, and there's nothing wrong with being having relevant Christianity. But I think in our effort to do that, there are many churches that actually end up treating God or uh, viewing him as something less than what he actually is. 
uh, to regard God as being separate and holy. You are petitioning Him to be revered. God, you are uncommon. You are extraordinary. You are unearthly. Uh, You're separated from sinners. You're absolutely undefiled. You are, in a word, holy. Uh, That word is particularly used in the sense back in Numbers chapter 20. Do you remember the event when the when uh, the prophet Moses was being was getting frustrated and aggravated and short-tempered with the people of God because they continually were murmuring and griping. And it got to Moses after a while. He could only take so much of it, apparently. And he reacted in a way that displeased, highly displeased God. In fact, the way he reacted to the murmuring and complaining of the, of the uh, children of Israel Literally, his reaction kept him out of the promised land. That's how dim a view God takes towards this. And in Numbers chapter 20, (coughs) excuse me, and verse 11, uh, verse 10, excuse me, Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. What rock is this? This is the rock. Of course, it's typologically, it pictures Christ, but uh, Moses took the rod and he gathered the people before the rock because they had been complaining about no water. And Moses says this, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their beasts also. But yet, there's verse 12 in this text, and I want to call your attention to it. Listen to this. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, and he said, Because ye believed me not, listen to this, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Now that's a startling thing. And what God is saying in verse 12 of Numbers 20 is, Moses, you didn't reverence me. You didn't honor me. You didn't glorify me because I told you to go out there and just speak to the rock. And Moses learned very dearly, very costly uh, lesson. But Moses learned that he needed to reverence God's word so that he explicitly did exactly what God said to show that God is holy, that he is to be glorified, that he is to be obeyed, that he is to be hallowed. Uh, this is an important lesson for all God's people about being cautious about not treating God in an irreverent way, rushing into his presence, treating him like a genie, uh, belittling uh, him in the way that we approach him. Let me challenge your listener today. There are a lot of current fads in present churches that manifest that kind of a flippancy and shallowness about many things, but I don't think any of them are as bad or worse than a failure to recognize this central truth about God himself. In fact, if you took your Bible and you went through the scriptures itself, you would read a number of scriptures, for instance, like Isaiah chapter 6. You remember that moment? Isaiah the prophet, that great servant of the Lord that literally was caught up 
in a vision and he was in the presence of in the throne room of God in the very presence of the almighty sovereign ruler of the universe and he makes his observation about the foundations being shaken and smoke filling the place uh, uh incense reference to incense and the, and the holiness that is there about the glory of God and it's remarkable that these angelic beings are, are flying back and forth. And of all the things that they could have said about God in their worship of him, of all the, all the uh, acclamations that they could have made that are true about God, they didn't say, love, 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 God is love. They didn't say anything about God being compassionate. They didn't say anything about God being an all-sufficient supplier what they said was, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Holy is what God is all about. That is his fundamental attribute. It's repeated three times to establish its truth. And to the degree that we neglect honoring God as being holy and reverencing him in all of our lives is the degree to which we will experience a loss in our relationship with him. Saul failed to hallow God by intruding into the spiritual things of the priests in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel 15 and verse 11, Saul didn't treat God as separate. He didn't treat him as as uh, uh, unearthly and uncommon and extraordinary and just thought he could barge into the presence of God and offer sacrifices. And he learned his lesson. Uzzah, you remember this? Or Uzzah, some pronounced, but technically it's Uzzah in Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 7. Uh, in, uh, somebody who did not, who failed to honor the Lord there as well. In the transfer of the Ark of the Covenant. He may have meant well, and there was criticism that was leveled at Moses and the other leadership because Uzzah was struck dead when he reached his hand out to touch the Ark of the Covenant in order to steady it from falling. But God takes very seriously our approach to him. Ananias and Sapphira would be another testimony to this in Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 11, who lied to the Holy Spirit, who treated him, who treated the Godhead in such a flippant, manipulative way. They learned that you need to treat God in an extraordinary, separated way. And so as we read through the Bible, I end today by this challenge that the Apostle Paul wrote to every church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, the Bible says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, the Apostle Peter writes, Be ye holy, even as God is holy. The implication for this is, Father, I recognize who you are, that you are separate, that you are sacred, that you are extraordinary, that you are separate from any sin. You're undefiled. You are holy. Now, Lord, I want to be just like you. Make that your prayer today, would you? Make sure that you focus on what God's called you to be in him, because the only way that he'll be accepted in him is in the holiness of Jesus Christ and have that lived out in your life. 
God bless you today. Walk with Christ.